Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. Toby Tarrant here and joined as ever by Manchester original star player, the one and only Mr. Stephen Finn and just five years younger than Brad Pitt, Daniel Norcross as well is <laughs> <laughs> here. How are you both chaps? You well, Finn? Are you good? Yeah, we can't complain. We've got our first win in the competition the other night. Been good fun being up here in Manchester, although it's currently raining, which probably doesn't surprise too many people. But yeah, it's um, everything's going all right. Thank you. Enjoying getting to know the lads, and um, and yeah, just a shame that I've got to spend forty five minutes talking to you two instead of being with them. <laughs> well, it's lovely to see you too, mate. Do you know what? Genuinely, when the Manchester Originals lost the first game, I thought Finney's found another format that he can lose every week in. It's quite impressive. But uh, you put it to bed in the second game and got a victory on your belt. What's it like? What, talk, talk to us. What's life like as a 100 player? Because it's never it's never existed before. Yeah, I, it's all right. We're still living under safe living guidance. So it's probably not as fun as it potentially could be where we allowed out to do things and uh, go to restaurants and stuff. But the, the cricket side of it has been really fun, sort of gelling with, a new group of guys and new coach and Simon Katic that I'd only played against before and, and not um, played under. So yeah, getting used to your surroundings and um, I suppose it's sort of similar to the the T20 lifestyle. Some guys live, you sort of go from environment to environment and gel and try and come together and achieve something. That's sort of where we're at and, and it's been really good fun so far. I really enjoyed it. And the the women's team in the same hotel. Do you guys hang out together? All the Manchester Originals. Yeah, we've got a team room. We've um, when we won the other day, we all had a few drinks in the bar downstairs in an area that we've got for ourselves down there. And yeah, in the team room, the cricket's on every night, so everyone takes their deliveries up there and um, <laughs> and eats it together in the team room. Yeah, so so we're hanging out with those guys, and and obviously they're playing the games before us and we watch their games, and I think they're hanging around and watching ours. So yeah, there's a lot of cohesion. 
That's nice. I'm just picturing basically like sick form. I'm just picturing table football. I'm to- I'm just picturing stuff like that, basically. Uh, Daniel Norcross, let's talk about your your team because you have decided you are an Oval Invincibles super fan. Uh, till I die, mate. Till I die. The <laughs> the Invincible, I've already got the Invincible swagger. It's like the Surrey strut, only it's like even more invincible. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the words of the great KP, uh, it, it's good. It's uh, it's very good. It's uh, very, very good, actually. <laughs> I have uh, I, I found my calling for four weeks of the year. And you cut me open. And if you do that, not only will I not die because I'm invincible, mm. but you will find the word, word invincible sort of blazoned in slightly acid green all the way through the middle of my stomach, which is mostly bile. But... Uh, it's, um, <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. Look, look, they played they played three games and one got washed out, and they are still invincible. And the women, I tell you, Alice Capsey is something else. Mm. I, I saw her. I got a sneak preview a few weeks back when I did a game for the Surrey live stream. Surrey against Middlesex, and she times a beautiful ball. And then Maddie Villiers hitting that unbelievable six in the first game. And I spoke to a lot of my colleagues with there on the day. Obviously not me, NFI. They don't want some miserable old kid to launch 100 Absolutely. with a grey beard. But, you know, right. the, the young people who pretend to humour me within the TMS team who were allowed to be on the programme um, <laughs> did, did affirm that it was an amazing atmosphere that first day. It was really something else. There was a kind of real buzz. And uh, at the time, the biggest domestic audience. and. I thought it kicked off really, really well. And I think I'm, I'm sort of, I think, I, I think I'm liking the women's tournament. I'm sorry, sorry, Finney. But at the moment, I'm liking it just a little bit more because I guess I'm seeing new players, different players, but also I'm seeing the best quality of domestic women's cricket I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Whereas in the men's game, because of COVID, you know, it's nothing to do with the organiser or anything, but, you know, like Finney's got a game for a start. Uh, but you know, there's there's that lad that there's that lad who came from absolutely nowhere who played his first Chris Benjamin played his first um, List A game, his first T20 game, and his first hundred game all in a week. <laughs> and you know, ordinarily, I don't think that I don't think we'd see that in the hundred next year because everybody will be available. But COVID's affected it affected the men's game a little bit more. So uh, yeah, I've loved it, and I'm not going to wear the the kit though. I, I've never worn. Kit, apart from the Manchester United away kit in 1977, which I really liked, I had three straight stripes down the left hand side, and I had a, a mad crush on Gordon Hill. But that's <laughs> for that's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're right to mention Alice Capsey, 16 years old. We should mention as well. I mean, a, a freak of nature. She's absolutely unbelievable. And and now, in the weeks leading up to this tournament, because. I didn't want to slag off the 100, which I know a lot of cricket purists, in inverted commas, have been doing in the build-up to the tournament. But because Finney was picked and I knew you were working it, I didn't want to sit on this podcast every week and and get stuck into it. But I would say I was probably more in the anti-100 camp for the same reasons that every cricket, in inverted commas, purist is saying, you know, do we need it? Shouldn't they spend more money in the domestic 2020 tournament? You know, test cricket's dying, let's focus on that, blah, 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 blah. And I'm very happy to completely, you know, eat my words that actually I never said. But it's been a brilliant start to the tournament. The organisers who must have had everything crossed for a decent start to the tournament after the delay of last year and question marks about whether this tournament would actually go ahead. Brilliant first day of the tournament. I just love the fact that it's on terrestrial TV as well for people to watch. I think that is, you know, we talked a lot about how great it was that the England-India Test Series was on Channel 4. 
But as much as I love test cricket, I feel like this 100 is far more likely to attract a new audience than watching England getting bowled out for about 90 in a test match in India. I think this is much more entertaining for people trying to get into the sport. And then I believe that they'll discover test cricket further down the line. So it's doing its job. And you mentioned it there, you know, I'd probably say, you know, we, we did discuss this months ago, but it's probably a bigger deal for women's cricket this than men's cricket, you know, and it probably is the biggest domestic women's cricket tournament ever. And it's been amazing to watch it. Um, let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about Stephen Finn's performance in the 100. So yes. Far. You, you fucking show off, Finney. Diving around like he's John T. Rhodes in the two games I've watched Finney in so far. He's rolling back the years. Finney, he's, Finney, he's, a, he's a boundary rider. What, how, when did he become a boundary rider? Oh, he's the Sophia, the Sophia Dunkley of the Manchester yeah. Originals. He's charging from one, one place to the other. I mean, and, it, and it's, I mean, it's a frightening sight, actually, mm. because there's so much of him. And he, and he absolutely pelts after it. And on those big boundaries in Manchester, you've got how far, I think I calculated that in one five ball. So it was one five ball. We'll come on to what we're going to call that at some point later in the, in the, in the podcast. But uh, where every ball went to you in the recent game and they were all sort of like shanked along the ground and every time you had to run like 30 yards to your right and then 30 yards back I mean you basically did a 400 metres in about a minute and a half there which is pretty <laughs> yeah. good for a man of your age what's got well, into you Finney? yeah you know I just thought trying to better myself the whole time that's the way I live my life just mm. trying to constantly <laughs> get better at everything that I do and, and yeah fielding's the one thing that I've practiced a lot of, you know, with the help of my friends and family, I've just finally managed to get over the hurdle of being a lemon in the field. And now I'm actually useful. Yeah. So it's, um, it's been nice to, to throw yourself around and, and feel young again. And the relief on your face when you took a catch at short third man as well was uh, it betrayed absolutely. I misjudged all, that actually. And it was you like, because yeah. it was a off cutter, slower ball. Andy sliced it when you when the ball came down you could hear it fizzing when it came oh, towards you so I was just hate that. Mm. and then I misjudged it as well and went reverse cup and caught it around my knees so yeah it was um I nearly fucked it up but managed to hold <laughs> on so it's fine that must be a satisfying feeling when you do a good bit of fielding in front of a big crowd like that and you get a nice little cheer that's got to feel but that's got to feel pretty good isn't it yeah but you're acutely aware of the silence as it goes up or the roar sort of <laughs> It goes oh, and then it goes quiet just before you catch it, and then um, and then yeah, either boos or cheers when you when you either drop or catch it. But luckily, I think I've had two chances this tournament and caught two, so you never know. It might change tomorrow, but we'll see. How did you feel on discovering that your home team has prepared a magnificent raging Turner? And I I, I see you can think about this in two ways, Vinny. One is brilliant. I'm only going to have to bowl five balls per match. Or two, it's not really the pitch for me. Which which, which way did Finney go when he saw that pitch? Oh, well, I didn't mind. It. We won, so I didn't care. Had we lost, <laughs> I might have had a different opinion. But um, yeah, and also the those wickets that are a bit slow, they suit my style of bowling as well because you can bowl the ball into the pitch with big square boundaries and use changes of pace and, and natural variation and stuff like that 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 you can't probably get away with or you wouldn't be able those skills aren't transferable to a very flat ground with short boundaries so um, yeah I wasn't too fast it just so happened that Matt Parkinson bowled the ball of the century um, <laughs> okay. he really handy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was I didn't realise how far it had spun until we watched the replay and I was like Jesus that's spun a long way yeah. um, and then and yeah and the other guys the other two spinners backed him up so yeah it was a 
an easy night's work. I, I did five balls. I thought I thought you and I were stealing a living Norcross, but five balls, unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, you must see a lot of Parkinson in the nets because I wanted to talk about him because he's basically having his own. If there's goal of the season in football, he's basically having his own bowl of the season competition with himself this year. He's bowling absolutely seeds at the moment. Does he, does he turn it Matt, turn it square in the nets as well? Well, I've not had the pleasure of facing him yet. I just sort of pop into the nets right at the end for some fluffers, as we discussed a few weeks ago. <laughs> Had some lovely fluffers this afternoon. Actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, came out feeling a million dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are there, so, are, there um, any, are there any unlovely fluffers? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Some can, um, some can be a bit rough and throw the odd bouncer in, which, um, you know, doesn't doesn't go very well in the fluffing world. You just want to be caressed. Um, so that, yeah, had a bit of that this afternoon. And then, um, and then, yeah, it's, it's been all right, but I've not faced him in the nets yet, but just from watching him in the games and, and how he operates, he's a funny man and he loves just trying to spin the ball miles. So um, if he gets a few more wickets like that last one, I'm sure he might even beat his ball of the season competition. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. If you haven't seen that delivery, do check it out at some point on social media. Now, Dan, we talked about you being an Oval Invincibles fan a bit yeah. earlier on. Now, I've been because I don't officially have a team yet, and I and I'm trying to kind of work out who I go for. What? Well, I mean, hang on, you're brought up in Surrey, right? Yes, I know, I know. You know, Cobham and all that kind of stuff. I mean. You're not going to go Southern Brave, are you? You're not going to go down the A3. Yeah, Tell me I, you're not going to do that. I'll, 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 I'll talk you through my working out. So first of all, I thought, oh, do you know what? I should be, maybe I should be loyal to our man, Stephen Finn, you know? Maybe well, I should absolutely. Be, well, maybe I should be a Manchester Originals man. But then I thought, you know, Manchester Originals, if the 100 goes on for years and years and years, you know, Finney, Finney could get a new contract. He could be at Southern Brave next year. Yeah. And then I'm stuck with Manchester Originals and Finney's, Finney's left me high and dry. I've been hurt too and many you, times. And you're a Liverpool fan. You're a Liverpool fan. I mean, how on earth can you be a Manchester original Exactly. Fan? So that rules Manchester. Well, we've got a few Scousers in our squad. So, and the women's squad. So, you know, closest closest team to Liverpool. Yeah, but Why he's, he's from Surrey to start with. He's like the absolute... <laughs> yeah, that's he's, irrelevant. He's the Manchester United <laughs> paradigm. Actually, thinking that's about irrelevant. it, that makes it perfect for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll think, I, I haven't decided yet. I'm going to keep seeing how the tournament goes. You guys keep winning, Finney, and then we can talk, mate. Um, London Spirit, I mean, they play at the home of cricket. They play at Lords. They've got Owen Morgan. The second, old, the second oldest test ground in London. It's the second <laughs> oldest test ground in London. I mean, come off it. You've got to yeah. be joking me. Also, you know, and, you know, organisers, you know, take a hint here, but London Spirit have very, very kindly invited me to the game on Tuesday as well next oh, week. I so, right. so, they're, so, they're, so they're buttering me up a little bit. So they're tempting. Shambles. But Birmingham's my second, my second home. I went to university there. They've got Moen Alley. They've got the man of the moment, Lee. Livingston and they've got Imran Tahir's hair which is very very important and they've also got Shafali Verma who is unbelievable to watch but then Trent Rockets have got Joe Root big Samit Patel and Nat Sivery used to play for my cricket club Stoke Dablin so I'm torn at the minute so basically I'm going to see who's really good and then go for them I think is the plan well, uh, the, the, we call the Invincibles for a reason because we remain invincible I can't believe I, I don't understand why you're resisting the obvious solution you're a Surrey man. It's just up the road. Um, it's in the, in the oldest test ground in the country. It's beautiful, apart from the kit and the logo, <laughs> which I can't quite make any sense of. But yeah. man, I, can't make any, I can't make sense of any of the logos. I, if you look at the Southern Brave logo, right, it just looks like a squiggly 53. Yes, you, you, it does. You, get, you get it up on your screen. 
Southern Brave logo just says 53. Does, and the yeah. Welsh Fire logo says L-E-I. It's really, really strange. So it was the, it was the squiggly 53s against L-E-I today. But I wanted to say something, because you, you mentioned um, Liam Livingston en passant there. And uh, I thought one of the really interesting things about the game I was at, the originals game that Finney was playing in, when Livingston came out to bat, he got some terrific boos because he was not playing for the Manchester Originals. And people have said, oh, is anybody going to be at all invested in any of these ideas, these confected notions, you know, Manchester Originals, London spirit, like what we were talking about. Is anyone from Liverpool going to support Manchester? But it turns out that the, the people who went to Old Trafford were booing because Liam Livingston had been a Judas and had gone to Birmingham Phoenix, which I thought was pretty brilliant in a way. It's like, <laughs> like when Sophie Eccleston walked out to bat on the same day earlier on, there's a really big like cheer when she came out of Manchester Originals. Like the crowd actually knew who she was. And I, like you, have been quite sceptical about the 100 and, and its value and whether it will work. But those things are working, actually. Those things that I didn't think would work are sort of creeping in. Now, that doesn't mean, incidentally, that I think that this was the right solution or that, that I approve of its long-term development. I don't know what I think yet. But a lot of the things that we thought wouldn't work are working. You've got to mm. take your hat off them for that. There's quite a lot of being really excited about everything, though. You know, We've just seen the greatest game there's ever been in the history of all humanity in front of the largest crowd you've ever witnessed as the TV broadcaster has a camera pointing at a mostly empty stand behind them. So, <laughs> you know, that, that does, there is a sort of sense out there of, of, of hype, which yeah. I think is, I don't know how you feel, Toby. I mean, no, Philly can't talk about it, but I mean, I, I found it a little bit difficult to cope mm. with the hype. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I think just it just feels bigger because it's on terrestrial TV. I think that is that's a huge, huge factor that you know those numbers you mentioned earlier, the viewing figures of it. You don't normally get anything close to that for a domestic cricket competition because two, two and a half million were watching I mean, one of the games, and that, you know, more than were watching the international games. So yeah, I mean that is that's undeniably fantastic. Yeah, I just it think is. A, I think I think there's a mixed. I think what what slightly worries me about the hundred. I don't know if you. Experience. I don't know if Finney has this as well, but on my Twitter timeline, there's a. It's like the culture wars are breaking out within cricket. Mm. You've got to be one thing, or you've got to be the other. And if you're not pro the hundred, then you're an antediluvian tragic, who is all part of the problem. And if you're pro the hundred, then you're like you wanted to tear things up, and you don't care about the fabric of society, and you know. <laughs> You're just like you're just evil, and you're and you're crapping on our dreams. And there has to be a more sensible debate than this about it. I'm not even sure we even need to have a debate about it. Why don't we just watch the bloody cricket, and in four weeks' time decide whether we think it worked or not? Yeah, I, I think that I think that's the thing. Is once it started, it's, it's cricket, isn't it? I quite like watching yeah. bowlers. I, I quite like watching bowlers bowl at batsmen and them try and score some runs, and the bowlers try and take some wickets, basically. And really. Apart from, I'd say, England test matches where I am really desperate for England to win and I'd, I'd rather they just batted everybody, which doesn't happen much at the moment. With white ball cricket, outside of the major tournaments, the World Cups and the, the 2020 World Cups, I basically, I'm quite happy to see a tight game. Even if England are playing against somebody, I'm quite happy to see a game go down mm. to the wire. I'm not fussed about England necessarily b- uh, battering everyone. So I think once the game started, 
I just enjoyed watching a bit of cricket. Also, can can you can you remember incidentally though? Because this, I, I think, is quite an interesting test. When I first watched the IPL at the beginning of the season, I can never remember who's actually won consecutive games. Oh, never, never. I, I, I keep seeing the teams come out at the moment in the hundred, and I'm like, which one? Who have they got again? And then I wait to see who the yes. opening two batsmen are. Then I'm like, oh yeah, it's that one. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to mention some other performances. What should we go for? The good or the bad? Let's let's start with the good. Let's talk about March at the Langer with a fifer, which is ridiculous. You only get 20 balls, five wickets. Finney's going to need about four tournaments to take five wickets at this rate. Unbelievable performance. I mean, Finney, you reckon you got a fifer in you, in you somewhere, mate? Well, well, I've got three wickets in the 20 balls that I've bowled so far. So, <laughs> I mean, if you hadn't been paying attention, they were all high-quality wickets as well. But um, I, I, wish people could, I wish people could see it now because you cocked your head like, like Princess Diana. When she was talking to Martin Bashir when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I got three wickets and 20 balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just as elegant. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I don't know. It, see, it didn't know. Well, I mean, five wickets is a lot of wickets in the space of 20 balls, isn't it? But if you bowl at the correct time or you're on a roll, because the nature of the tournament means that you have to keep going and you have to keep going for the score there will be some guys that just absolutely clean up and Marshant Delanger from what I've seen has been bowling Thunderbolts has been bowling bloody well so um, I mean Matt Parkinson got four for nine off 18 balls the other night <laughs> yeah. I think I'd have probably backed him to get two more had he been bowling at the lower order batsman as well mm. so yeah um, can I just say I mean Mar- Marshant Delanger uh, I had a bit of a debate about this on Twitter we're trying to work out what he looked like because he's very distinctively magnificent looking and I think we came up with, at the end, the one that was most relevant was he looked like the undercover British policeman in a lower low crossed with Lord Lucan having bulked up massively. <laughs> that is, I think, pretty much where we're at with Martin Delanger. If, if you've got any better suggestions, that is absolute, he's absolute box office, isn't he? He's absolute box yeah. office to watch. He's wonderful. Yeah, he is. He's super. And it was great to see Colin the Grandholm in the tournament as well. Great to see that hair again as well. Now, nobody's got 100, 100 yet. I'm sure that will happen. But I think that you mentioned it there, Finney, the nature of the, the game. Although it feels like 20 balls isn't a massive difference, it does feel like you really don't. You just you have to go from ball one. I mean, we saw Tom Banton track Daniel Briggs and spank him over his head first ball of the game or second ball of the game the other day and it two six in his first three balls. You just go from ball one. Um, the other thing I want to mention is the less impressive performances. So it was very, very exciting over the weekend. Joe Root and Ben Stokes, the two biggest names in the tournament, took part for the first time in the 100. The organisers would have been licking their lips, salivating at the prospect of England's captain and England's best player going head to head. Joe Root, golden duck on his 100 debut. And Ben Stokes dropped Alex Hales. The ball went for six and Alex Hales went on to win the game. Uh, the forgotten man of English cricket, Alex Hales, in many ways. Finney, when you, were, when you were playing for England and um, performing well for the England side, how did you find it when you went back to play for Middlesex? Did you find there was a lot of pressure on you to perform? Did you put a lot of pressure on yourself to perform? Did you, did you feel like the players you were playing against were keen to do well against you because you were an England player? Did it come with a bit of a target on your back? Did it make any difference at all? Um, I suppose it's different when you're a batter and a bowler, I think. If you're if you're a batter, bowlers can come really, really hard at you and just 
desperately try and get you out all the time. I think that that's probably um, slightly easier for guys. I think as a bowler, it's not quite as easy. People probably took absolute pleasure in spanking me around after I'd played <laughs> for England, but they did that before and they've done that long since. So <laughs> it's, um, it's not it's not something that was just exclusive to playing for England. But I think you do definitely feel an element of responsibility to try and or to win games for your team more and more than you did when you were young. I mean, the advantage that I had was that I was very young when I played for England. So that gave me confidence to come back to county cricket and do well. Um, so yeah, it's sort of a few things melt into one pot, I suppose. But yeah, you, you definitely feel the responsibility when you come back from playing for England to your domestic stuff because guys are looking up to you that you've made it to the next level and you've got to show them why you've been there and what you've been doing and how you've got better. So, so yeah. I was going to say, presumably, you I mean, you, you go away of England working with an unbelievable coaching team. You're bowling in the nets against some of the best batsmen in the world and a lot playing alongside the likes of Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad. Did, did you find that when you went back to county cricket, you realised that you'd improved dramatically by going away with the England team? Did you feel like you came back a better cricketer than you went out? Yeah, you certainly do, especially in your more formative years as a cricketer because your, your rate of um, or your, the acceleration of your learning process is so much more when you're around guys like that. But I mean, the, the thing that made me good when I was that age, I just seemed to keep coming back with three or four miles an hour of extra pace. So I went sort of in the mid 80s and then for a couple of years probably until about 2013 I just kept coming back two or three miles an hour quicker and got myself up to around 90 or 92 miles an hour pretty consistently for a couple of years um so so that was probably the thing that separated me or, or the thing that made me um a better bowler in that time well what, but why though why because I, mean, I think you know, no, people... I didn't, can't put my finger on it. I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew. I'd be doing all those things now again. But um, yeah, it's, no, but I mean, it's, is, it's that, is, that, is that is that coaching? Or what, what is that? Or is that is that access? No. Is that like day to day? No, it's, it's just bowling. I think. I think your your body grows into your bowling action. I suppose, and um, and you get stronger within your bowling action the more you bowl when you're younger. Which is why I'm a big fan of youngsters not like having the pin pulled on them bowling a decent amount of overs because I certainly think I benefited from it I mean some people would probably argue that I've struggled with injuries later in my career as a result of the amount of overs that I bowled when I was younger but it's sort of a trade-off that I'm quite willing to have made or a sacrifice I'm willing to have made because I believe that bowling a fair bit in those early years made me a good bowler and and sort of made me the successful semi-successful international cricketer that I was so um, yeah, it's a very fine balance, but it wasn't necessarily going away and being like, right, you have to do this and you have access to better coaches. I don't believe the coaches are that much better or even better at all at England level. Um, they're more facilitators there that help get the best out of you rather than really develop you. I think it's just being around those experienced guys and also at that stage, my natural development and growing into my bowling action. Were you a were you a gym goer? Because I mean, you look at Chris Tremlett and Simon Jones, who are absolutely absolutely massive. I've always felt, and this is my, my excuse anyway, but I always felt that the best way to get quick at bowling was by bowling, because you're working all the muscles that you need for your action for for the skill. I always find I'd, I'd never really understood the point of a lot of these bowlers going into gyms and getting absolutely huge. I always thought if you could. Be, be quite fit, you know, keep your cardio up and basically bowl a lot. That was normally pretty good for you. Yeah, I mean, there's a balance between the two, isn't there? Because I think if you bowl a lot and you groove bad habits, then that's a bad thing. But if you find 
functional power-based drills in the gym that can help you. So it's not necessarily getting bigger and getting stronger. I'm not even sure I'd be able to do that, to be quite frank. But I think if you find drills that are powerful and bowling specific in the gym that allow you to strengthen the muscles that you need to bowl quick, then um, then that's something that I've tried to do throughout my entire career. But never have I gone to the gym to try and beef myself up because I just feel as though my body wouldn't be able to move the same way. Now, when you were bowling 92 consistently, that's got to feel nice. I, I, I mean, I would love to. I mean, obviously, you know, 72.9 is very respectable pace as well. But when you're bowling 92 miles an hour, I mean, did you... Did you, did you, you must be very satisfied when you saw it coming out of those sort of paces. And also, did you like going back to Middlesex and bumping some poor county batsmen with your new found 92 mile an hour bowling? You sort of don't notice. It just happens naturally. I think I've never been the sort of bowler who can run in and say, right, today I am going to bowl quick or today this is the day that I'm going to absolutely steam in and bowl 95 miles an hour. That wasn't the bowler that I was. I relied on rhythm and timing and my long levers to be able to do that. So um, it was more just for a few years I managed to find a rhythm and a confidence that allowed me to get to the crease and just let rip so there yeah there are a few days where I was bowling and the speed gun would come up and you loosen us at like 89 90 miles an hour and you think this could be fun today (laughs) it's not something that I didn't go to the warm-up and be like right today is a day I'm going to bowl quick or this you know I really feel like this is going to be a quick day it's just as it happened in the games you sort of go with the ebbs and flows of how your body feels and, and how you feel as well what was um? I remember now because you played around with your run-up at times, didn't you? In your England career, you had one that was much shorter at one point, and also we've we've talked about you constantly hitting the bales and and falling over as well. Was that all just while you were you, you were tampering with things? What was what? Why were you tam- making those changes? Do you remember? Um, well, they changed the rules, didn't they, for me knocking the stumps? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I had Graham no choice. Smith, Graham to... Smith did. Yeah, Graham Smith. Made yeah, that happen, got a bit yeah. stitched up there. So yeah, I had to sort of change my run up because I'm, I was playing every game in every format at that stage. So so yeah, I I sort of had to try and find a way to get around that problem, and the problem was by shortening my run up and just sort of sprinting towards the middle of the crease which worked for a series in New Zealand. I bowled really quick in New Zealand for the T20 one day and test match series. But in the long run, it grooved me into bad habits to not use my levers and and be short at the crease and um, mess the timing of my bowling action up so that by the time I'd realised that it was too late and everything sort of unravelled, I suppose. Um, And that's when I got sent home from Australia. So yeah, you've got to be careful when you're tinkering around with things or the fundamentals of your bowling action because it can take a little while to unpick. And, and it did for me, it probably took me about, or it took me a few months to unpick it, but then to get confidence again, it took me about 12 months. So yeah, there, there's a lot of different caveats to, it's not easy just to change something like that. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, because Mark Wood had a, a naturally really short run-up, but... Yeah, all, nearly all of his career, and he, and he would start with that kind of leap in, and he picked up injuries, and he would fall over a lot. And then a couple of years back, he was encouraged to lengthen his run, and he's bowled the quickest spells of any England bowler. I think he and Harmy are up there. Steve Armisen uh, as the fastest. <laughs> uh, Stephen Finn um, will have you know that Finney. I think well, you've he, got has he, have, you, have you got a quicker one than you got a fastest. quicker one? I think I've got three of the top 10 or something like that. In, so in England, ODI cricket. Down. Yeah. And test match cricket. And test match cricket, yeah. Was that with a long run or with a short run? Because I, I, because in a way, like the Woody example is is actually sort of the opposite. 
isn't it? It's where he has sort of realised that maybe the thing that he has been doing has been contributing to problems. And so he's been encouraged to just give yourself a bit more of a run in, take take a take a proper approach. And it's kind of worked for him. He's, he's found an extra four or five miles an hour, hasn't he? Yeah, he's probably found that consistency in pace, I'd say, because it's easier on his body. I think he's always been capable of bowling very quick. But I think that the thing that his long run-up has given him is that easy momentum through the crease, whereas sometimes before it maybe looked a bit forced or looked as though, you know, he was just trying to get it down there or muscle it down there as quick as he could. But now with the longer run-up, he looks as though he's got a smooth flow to the crease, like he really picks up momentum. And then everything explodes down towards the target, which is why his pace, I think, is consistently up. Um, so, yeah, I changed my run up from that short one to the long one. And, you know, you tinker with it a little bit every now and again. So I cut probably three metres off it at the beginning of last summer, just just because. Um, but my run up would still touch the 30 yard circle in a one day game, which when I shortened it, it was nowhere near. It was probably about halfway. He is a thing of beauty to watch Mark Wood now with that new run-up. I do love watching him bowl live. He, he's, he's incredible to watch. We've talked about the 100. We've talked about uh, Finney's bowling, but let's move on to, to proper cricket. Hang on. Hang yep. on. Hang on. I'm not going to let you leave the 100. Okay. Until, not just yet, because I've got one thing that's really like bugging me as okay. a commentator. Right? Okay. And Finney's done a bit of commentary on this. And when we started, we were like sort of encouraged to think about it as just balls, right? Just balls. Don't think about overs. Overs are dead. There is no such thing as an over. And every commentator started the 100 by trying to do that. And before you knew it, we had sets of five. We had overs. We had blocks of five. Because you can't not. Actually, you can't not because you keep on changing the, the bowler. Now, either we bring back overs, which is the obvious thing to say, isn't it? Or we've got to come up with a new, new word for overs. All right? Now, it, I put this out. Again on Twitter, and um, Chris Addison, the uh, writer of many great things, including The Thick of It and Veep, mm-hmm. um, he, he suggested Fiverr. Fiverr. Mm. I thought Fiverr's five five fine, but it's a bit prosaic. And it's but a bit close to Fiverr as well. He took it's a, a Fiverr. It's, it's a bit close, it's a bit close to Fiverr. Mm. Then I realised that you like Cockney rhyming slang for a Fiverr is a Godiva. Mm. So you could have a Lady Godiva. Right, so you can bowl a lady Godiva. That's it, and that's your five balls, right? Bit close to then, Godiva, though. It's it's close to Godiva, yeah. but that's what makes it so lovely. Okay, right? in many okay. ways, because it's okay. like it's got a little nod. It's got a little nod to the past. Okay, and then Matt Roller got in touch from uh, Crick Info, and he said they're they're calling a ten ball an Ayrton, an Ayrton Senna, a tenner. Nice. If you bowl, if you bowl ten balls, you bowl an Ayrton, right? So you, <laughs> okay, so we might have a lady Godiva and an Ayrton. But then I'm thinking, if we're talking about fivers, then maybe actually we look at like what's on a banknote, and you've got like Winston Churchill on a five pound note, you've got Jane Austen on a ten pound note, right? Yeah. So maybe you've got like Winston's and Austin's, or Winston and Winston's and Jane Austen's, if you want to go the whole way, because yeah. we need gender parity. Gender parity is the whole point yeah. of it, you know. Yeah. So that works beautifully. But then it occurred to me that actually the Lady Godiva is probably the best use for maiden, right? So, because if you bowl a maiden, there haven't been very many in the hundred. I think we've had two, mm. but they obviously they're not allowed. To, we're not allowed to call them maidens because what we're trying to do is simplify everything. So we can't use old language, right? But I think that if we could get a Winston as an over, right, as a five ball over, yeah, and you could bowl a Lady Godiva within that, because that's basically 
because Lady Di was naked, right? So a five ball runless over is has got no clothes on it, right? Okay. It's got no runs on it. Right? Okay. So you could end up with like Finney could bowl. I mean, it'll probably only be one over, but let, let's imagine in an incredible world that he gets to bowl all 20 balls. You can bowl four Winstons, one Godiva, three for 18. <laughs> and and I, and I think this is the way to simplify cricket. I, I really, I really do. Uh, that, yeah, that, the hundred organisers will be delighted. Thanks for clearing that up for everybody. Now, Daniel Norcross, if you want this to be a thing, you are in a better position than anybody else on this podcast to make it so. Well, so I would be. I would will be you be using this terminology on TMS during the 100? Yeah, well, I would be, were it not for the fact that essentially that they've kind of looked after the old crusty grey folk. So me, Agus and Simon are kind of, we're not, I've only done one 100 double header and that's probably because, you know, somebody young and lovely was unavailable and then the test matches start. So then I'm going to come back and I ain't going to talk incredibly, you know, like it's the 1940s. The 50s. Welcome back, Pate News. We're here, England are playing India on a splendid day in Nottingham, which has been released from the strictures of war. Rationing is gone. <laughs> we'll, sort, we'll do a bit of that. And then I've only got two more hundred gigs uh, on the 12th to the 14th during the Lord's Test. So I might, I might come back in. I might come back here with the Lady Godiva. Finn, he he's, is, the, yeah. he's the young, sexy, yeah. new face of TMS. Any chance of you using Winston and Lady Godiva in your commentary stint there, Finney? I wouldn't have thought so. I keep calling them overs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't it, is, we all? it is hilarious listening to the commentators and trying not to use words like overs in the hundreds. It's one of my favourite side things to listen to during the whole game. Um, right, going away from the 100, but yeah, very good point. Well, Norcross, when you do get a chance anywhere near the 100, make sure you slip that terminology in. Uh, but proper cricket, red ball cricket, ashes cricket, uh, it's not looking too good at the moment. There are rumours at the moment that the ashes could either be moved to the UAE or even moved to next year, which would cause absolute chaos with the schedule. There's so much cricket already scheduled for next year. Um, what I would say is, and the reason for this, by the way, is that Australia's COVID-19 protocols are particularly strict, some of the toughest in the world. Um, I would say that if I was the ECB right now, I would be pushing for the move to UAE because I think those pitches would suit the England batsmen a lot, lot more. And certainly Hazelwood and Cummings and co will be absolutely fuming if they've got to run in and bowl on those, on those feather beds. Um, what do you make of it, Finney? I mean, it's it's a very big maybe at the moment about whether or not it will go ahead down under. But those, the you know, Rory Burns and the like, they'll be licking their lips at the prospect of facing Australia in the UAE rather than Perth, won't they? I don't know. I think Nathan Lyon would be licking his lips at being able to bowl on those wickets. <laughs> <laughs> Depends yeah. how you look at it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. It would be, be bizarre, wouldn't it? I mean, the series has to get played, I think, for... Well, probably the TV revenue first and foremost, but both teams will be desperate to try and win the Ashes and however they can do that, then then they will. But yeah, it'd be bizarre to see an Ashes series won by a team who has the two best spinners <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> the best quick bowlers and best batsmen. Well, it happened, it happened in 1956 when Laker and Locke spun England to victory. But yes, you're absolutely right. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, but I'm telling you now, it will not happen. There is absolutely no way that Australia would relinquish a home Ashes series and have it played in the UAE. Um, we've got a long way to go till December. There's a lot of people to be vaccinated in Australia. Uh, the problem 
actually is that Australia did such a good job, as did New Zealand, at combating COVID and having a kind of zero tolerance policy to it, closing their borders, that they've got incredibly few cases, actually. If you if you look at the total number of cases that, that both those countries have had, next to none. But unfortunately, they haven't had a, a very rapid vaccination program. So the fear is that with the Delta variant, which is starting to spread a little bit in Sydney, although Victoria was opened up again today, so that's, that's positive, uh, it could get out of hand really quickly because there's no natural immunity and there are very few people who are actually vaccinated. So it's a story that's born out of the fear of now. But I think having lived through 16 months of this pandemic, I think all three of us are fully aware that you get shock and scare stories on a week-to-week basis and the pandemic changes direction and looks different in no time at all. So I, I don't think that'll happen. I do think that there is something in there, though, about the pressure on the players. If you look at the schedule that the England players have got to go through from September, uh, suggested through till the end of January, and then you know with the Ashes series, and then there's a further tour, actually, of the West Indies. So when do they get to spend time with their families? I have some sympathy with that. I mean, personally, as a 52-year-old man, I can't think of anything better at Christmas than having nothing to do with my family. Uh, but, you know, these people are in their 20s and 30s. They're like soppy and wet-eyed and they still believe in lovely concepts like love and family. And it's, I think it's fine. I think, I think you should. I think everything happens for a reason at a time. And in, the, in their 30s, they're going to feel like that. And, and that is exactly as it should be. But it, it is a problem and it's, and it's tough. I mean, it's, right, it's why we've had all these conversations, Toby and mm. Steve, Stephen, about... You know, who's in and out of the England team and giving people time off and mental health and what have you. It's complicated. And as fans, we can look on and go, oh, don't be ridiculous, just get the bloody games on and get all the players there. But there's a lot of moving parts in team sport. You know, there's all the players in that, as we've seen actually with the COVID situation at Trent Rockets. You know, they've had a bit of a COVID, COVID outbreak, Andy Flower. And actually, you, know, you look at the knock-on of that, that could knock on to Joe Root. Now, it hasn't yet because he's he said he's been changing a different room from the players but you see how precarious the whole situation is at the moment none of us really know what's going to happen so every story that comes up i would just urge everybody mm. who listens to this podcast any story that comes up pinch of salt time will tell we have no idea it's um there's a lot of moving parts there are too many for any of us to make predictions. Tell you what, though, it'd be great to see, wouldn't it? UAE be Moeen Ali, Adil Rashid, called back from... What would happen? What are you talking about? You're talking about, what about Matt Parkinson? Matt Parkinson. Shane Warne, Shane, when Shane Warne says, you've got to pick Matt Parkinson at the Gabba, does that mean he's doing that because he thinks he's going to get flayed to all parts like Simon <laughs> yeah. Kerrigan at the Oval? Yeah. Or... <laughs> Does he genuinely mean it? You never know, Rishay. You never know. I see what he means. I see what he means. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, finally, very, very quickly, lads. Uh, this week, it was the anniversary of Michael Atherton versus Alan Donald in 1998. A famous passage of play. And I, I re-watched it again, actually, yesterday. And uh, you just, you actually now sympathise for Alan, Alan Donald so much. You look at him, so he's all over Michael Atherton. Michael Atherton... He has a couple of LB shouts on him. Michael Atherton absolutely punches one through to Mark Boucher behind the stumps and doesn't walk. A, a shocking decision, by the way. The more you watch it from the umpire, I can't believe he's not giving it, but he's 
He's basically absolutely middled it off his glove through to Mark Boucher. He's then bowling bouncers and giving Michael Atherton a few words. And then just when it couldn't get any worse, Mark Boucher then drops a huge outside edge off Mike Atherton as well. It is a fascinating, brilliant passage of play. Michael Atherton even takes on the short ball at one point and spoons it up in the air for a couple of runs. It's, it's a wonderful passage of play. It really is. That's why we're still talking about it 20 odd years later on. Um, I was watching Alan Donald and he's so angry. I mean, he's absolutely, he's about to explode. It made me wonder, Finney, what is the angriest you've ever been on a cricket pitch? There, have you ever completely lost your head on a cricket pitch? Have you ever, ever had a time where you walked off almost a little bit embarrassed about how angry you got during the game? Um, yeah, I think I, I, um, I got fired up in a game against India a few, or not a few years ago, 10 years ago now in 2011. And for some reason I was pretty angry that day and I gave a couple of their bats some big send-offs, had a couple of run-ins with them on the pitch. Um, Suresh Rayner, Virat Kohli, MS Dhoni, I think all in the same game and then got pulled into the match referee's office the, um, after the game. And it was me, Cook, because Cook had to be there because I'd got pulled in for getting fired up. Um, Dhoni, Rayner and Coley all stood there like five naughty schoolboys in front of the match referee who was pointing his finger at us telling you, you naughty boys, you shouldn't be swearing at each other on the pitch, buddy. <laughs> and I just sort of looked over to Coley, Rayner and Dhoni and we were all just sort of giggling at each other, like trying not to make eye contact with each other. Um, but yeah, that's the only time I ever got hauled in front of the match referee. For, for being a naughty boy on the pitch and, and I never did it again. Can I, can I very briefly give an unpopular opinion about Michael Atherton uh, in that, which is that what drove Alan Donald mad and righteously mad was that it was the luckiest that a batsman has ever got in, in like 20 minutes. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Atherton. I love the fact that he survived it. Just speaking from a really crap batter's point of view, I can totally identify with just how he had wound up Alan Donald really badly there, but he doesn't even play those balls really well. And if if, if Stephen Finn had been bowling uh, somebody who had been given not out and then dropped him and then spooned it in the air and then flinched <laughs> 15 times and still the bastard was not out at the close of play, <laughs> then I think you are entirely within your rights to let off the loudest possible expletive straight into the stump microphone. Because that was... That he Atherton got so fucking jammy that day. It was unbelievable. <laughs> That's the beauty of the whole clip. It's it, it, we've all seen it at club level where a bowler just can't get can't get any luck, and the batsman's having it all. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful video. Now, if you do get the time to go and rewatch it at some point this week, go and enjoy it because it's very entertaining. Uh, Finney, Daniel, lovely to see you both. Finney, good luck in the hundred. Maybe if you win some games, I'll be a Manchester original supporter. Maybe, maybe I'll go over to Oval Invincibles with Norcross. Who knows? Yay. Good luck with the rest of the games, Finney, and uh, see you next week, chaps. Cheers, Cheers mate. Cheers. Enjoy. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.